you know, as a facilitator, I've got to a point where I can turn up and go, it's not about me. It's about the outcome. And that allows me to step out. And so therefore, if another person in the room wants to take control of the conversation, and now my job is to keep it on track, then so be it. I think my role is there to keep people safe. It can get a bit wieldy sometimes. But apart from that, knock yourself out. As long as we get to where we need to get, I don't care who drives that. My name is Samantha Riley, and this is the podcast for experts who want to be the unapologetic leader in their industry. We're going to share the latest business growth, marketing, and leadership strategies, as well as discussing how you can use your human design to create success in business and life, inside and out. It's time to take your influence, income, and impact to the level you know you're capable of. Are you ready to make a bigger difference and scale up? This is the Influence by Design podcast. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. We're going to be talking about increasing your influence and all things influence. And I've invited my guest today, Ian Crawford, who is formerly a physical education teacher, and now he's doing some amazing things all around the world. He's worked in the UK, France, Spain, Canada, all gosh every time i see him on social media he's giving workshops to something an organization in the world he's doing amazing things so welcome to the show ian it's great to have you here Samantha. finally great to be here i know we have been having this conversation about you being on the podcast i'm going to guess at least four years at least <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know that's my fault. I'm sorry. Well, you know, you are a busy person for anyone that follows you on the socials. And if you if you aren't following Ian by the end of this conversation today, I'm sure you'll want to be. But there's usually three or four stories every day of you giving a, a workshop to someone somewhere in the world from, you know, a fancy bougie Zoom call to people all around the world to in the middle of the night to people <laughs> in mining areas. You just do it all. And I love it. There's, you know, it, it took a while for sure, but being able to get up each day and just go, this is cool, is, you know, just a great feeling. And thinking last night, late last night, I was talking to a bunch of people pharmaceutical people who build new molecules in Belgium. Wow. Blows me away. And then linking it back to the next phys ed teacher, you know, and I'm talking yeah. about that sort of stuff is, ah, oh, it's so good. It is so good. Tell us, you're an ex phys ed, phys ed teacher, PE for those of us in uh, Australia. <laughs> yeah. I'm that student Better. that was always like making up fake notes as to why I couldn't do PE. <laughs> I you're was that said. student. <laughs> Find Samantha's mum. Yeah, exactly. That was me. <laughs> How did you take the transition from being a teacher to what you're doing today? It's a really interesting comment because I finished my education uh, at university and I'd planned to do the whole academic thing, go through, do master's, PhD. And I started that and one of my mates said, you know what, we've been in education for the last X years. Let's go do something different. And they sent me off. Uh, we all headed off to France where I was a water sports instructor in the south of France, teaching windsurfing and sailing, and and that went on to leadership. Now, the time off those camps, the non-summer, it was in the UK, and I got a job as a personal trainer. Little did I know 
that that personal trainer job in the company, we had contracts for major elite sporting clubs where we did the the conditioning or the rehabilitation. And as a 23-year-old, naive little Western Australian, I suddenly was in front of these most incredible people. And one of the things I was doing is physiologically testing people right down to muscle biopsies, Mm -hmm. looking at the two athletes going, you're exactly the same physically. Mm -hmm. Why are you so much better? Then fast forward, doing the same with general managers and CEOs of global companies and be able to spend private one-on-one time for an hour talking to them. I started getting really interested in going, well, hang on a second. Why is this person eh? And this person like, ha. Huh. Yeah. We've got the same background. And that sort of got me interested in this whole high performance thing from that point of thing rather than that point of thing. So if you're listening, we're talking about the brains rather than the brawn. <laughs> yeah. So interested about what was inside the head rather than, you know, how much they could lift and how fast they can run. Yeah. And then I returned to WA and decided teaching wasn't my thing in schools and I got a job with the Department of Sport and Recreation and I got into organisational development and I got into coach development and sporting coaching development, that is. And so that really got me to do the things that I'm doing right now, but just in a sport not-for-profit setting. Mm. And years ago, long service leave, I went, you know what, I'm going to start a business in working with not-for-profits and sports groups. Now, that's just a terrible business model because both those groups have zero money. Mm -hmm. And... One of my friends, colleagues, a friend of mine, my mentor for a long time, he used to be the Australian volleyball coach and incredible facilitator, Blaze Chernikowski, mm-hmm. said, hey, come over here and help me deliver. And that was it. I was into leadership and teams and you know the whole commercial organisation type things and have been loving it ever since in the last 11 years that I've been doing this. Wow. I love these stories of how people wind up doing what they're doing mm. because it just shows that there's no direct line from A to B. And even though we know that, and I put that no in air quotes, mm. a lot of people still feel like as they're going through this journey, and and I hosted a lunch just last week actually with with 15 really, you know, amazing coaches that have all got, you know, really large businesses. And every single one of them had this same thing. Oh, we're going through this transition or, you know, we're working through this thing and it's so frustrating. We kind of can't get there. Mm. And even though we know logically that that's the way it is, it can be frustrating. So it's really helpful to hear that other people have this, this journey to go, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. And I do need to be going through these, these, I'd say challenges, but I guess the journey as it's meant to be. I think one of the really key things, and I didn't realise, I was on a an interview of Skype, thinking me jig the other day with a whole stack of um, university uh, from Sydney of University, and they were asking me questions. And one of the things I realised, and it was just amazing at fifty plus now, that when I was nine years old, someone said, "Why do you want to be a teacher?" And my response was, "I want to help at least one person." Mm-hmm. As a nine, ten year old. But that's could still continue. That's driven everything that I've done, even if I didn't realise that that value of just trying to make an impact on one person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a life well lived if I can do that. Mm. And But now it's probably, hopefully, it's got into a larger number than one, but that's what's driving me and makes those changes on reflection a lot easier and willing to do because it aligns deep down with what you want to do. Yeah, totally, totally. 
we're talking today about influence. Mm-hmm. Before we dive in, what is influence? How would you define influence? It's a great question because as soon as I say influence, people hear manipulation. And Oh, we just talked about this on the podcast last week. <laughs> <laughs> and I must admit there's two things there. One, manipulation is easy, mm-hmm. but it's not good. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the wrong intent. Manipulation is si- uh, manipulation. Whoops. Uh, influence. <laughs> <laughs> influence is simply, in my mind, getting people to look at things differently. And so if they're stuck in one place and you can just let them get them to peek over the fence at another option or another way of doing things or a different thought pattern, that's a great start. And from that point on, you can then go further in regards to how much they take on that thought or idea. Mm. Never do I believe that I want to take away their ability to think or I want to do stuff they don't want to do because it just doesn't align with me and it's they'll come back to bite you if you're going to go down that road. So it's simply a starting point of, hey, check this out. Have a look at it. And from that point on, you can go anywhere. Mm, mm. I love that so much. And, you know, with NLP and all of these, you know, language patterns and all of these amazing tools that we've got at our, at a, I was going to say at our disposal, but I guess in our tool belt is probably a nicer way to say it. You know, one of my first mentors said to me, like, we've got all these things. He said, before we even start, we're using these for good because they can be used for manipulation. And we've seen people use them for manipulation. And I know that anyone that's listening to this podcast and everyone that's in my world is very much against manipulation. And what is really interesting is that when, you know, a few years ago when the word influencer came out, There were so many people in our world that said, we don't want to be part of this. We don't want to be part of this manipulation and these, you know, greasy sales tactics of run to the back of the room. We don't want to be an influencer and, and, you know, just peddling our our wares to anyone that would listen. Mm. And I feel that it's almost given the word influence a bit of a, a nasty rap or sort of, it's got a bit of a shadow there, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think what you've said there is right. And sorry, you were going to go on there. No, that's okay. It's interesting because also you're totally correct. And it's something I've had to consider that when I do the marketing and promotion of what I do, also Google, you know, you type in NLP Mm -hmm. and the first 100 things you get at the top is all manipulation. Mm -hmm. You know, how to pick up chicks and how to do this. And it's like, oh my goodness, (laughs) no, you've completely got the idea of what, this can be used for. Yeah. And you're a bad person. Stop it. All right. <laughs> Those people. Yeah, it's been a it's been a challenging time, but again, just sticking to what we know and people see through that stuff. A hundred percent. There's definitely an energy behind it. Mm. And whether or not people I don't really like this word, but woo-woo, whether they're woo-woo or not. It's a real thing. We feel the energy. We know if something's good. We know if something just feels off. Mm. And so I guess let's set the foundation that what we're talking today is using influence for good mm. because we do need to change people's views. Otherwise, they end up going down non-resourceful paths. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So where does influence start? Because when we talk about influence, we're often saying, well, I want to influence, Mm. you know, person B over there. Mm. So 
But where does it begin? It starts with you. And when I say it starts with the individual that's trying to influence other people, it's also the biggest speed bump to be able to do this well, because it requires a lot of self-reflection. It requires a good understanding of yourself if you're going to be an influencer. And, oh, my goodness, I use that word. Uh, <laughs> We're giving it a different meaning today. We're not talking about, you know, Kimmy K here. <laughs> I have to start dancing or something on TikTok. <laughs> no, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, no one. No one wants to see that. And that would influence people to switch off. <laughs> so when we look at because obviously we run into the world with a model of the world, the way we see things, our values and beliefs suck in information to fulfill those things which is fine right up to the point where I'm trying to understand and then influence someone with a different wiring. And I see it all the time where leaders, they walk up to someone and try to influence them, ranging from a safety issue all the way through to a promotion or to do a new task or to move through change. And when they deliver the message in one way and it doesn't work, all they do is go back and deliver the message again in exactly the same way, but usually louder. And that's not how it works. And it's looking at the other person and being very able quickly to be able to see is, well, how do they communicate? What's important to them? What's their values? What's their beliefs? What do they do in their, their private life that helps them feel fulfilled? And then understanding that and then packaging, that's an important part, packing the message so it just lands in their brain nicely. And I think that term packaging the message is essential because sometimes when I start talking about this, people start saying, well, hang on, I'm not being me anymore. I'm not being mm. who I am, I'm not being true to myself. No, 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 I'm not changing the outcome. I'm not changing your values. I'm not changing your beliefs. All I'm doing is wrapping up the delivery of it in a different colored bow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that I want to match the bow. And if at the very least, in regards to this process, I love it because I have to show high levels of respect to someone. I have to listen to them carefully. I have to be right there with them in the moment simply to gather that information. And if simply by doing it, and that's all I do with it, the other person is going to know. Mm -hmm. They know that you're really listening to them because it's such a rare thing for people. Yes. And to experience... and. Even at that level, I'm okay to cut it off there because it's a nice thing. It's an important thing to them. It shows I see them, I respect them, I hear them, et cetera. And then they can go on and add all the tools afterwards, but understanding their model of the world, how they take in information, what's important to them is really important around this. And this, this came up in my career when I first started. I worked in the sports industry, lots of energy, lots of extroverted type people, things like that. Then I'm thrusted into the world of engineers. Mm -hmm. All right, completely opposite. Mm -hmm. And when I started, I was looking at them going, uh, wake up, hello, anyone? But all they're doing is processing the information very differently. I was just about to say, my son's an engineer and having a conversation with him is very <laughs> different to I've got one son, you've already mentioned volleyball, that is very into volleyball. Mm -hmm. And what, having, watching them try and communicate together is hilarious because they do not understand each other's wells or the way they process. <laughs> and it's entertaining for us, terrible for them. 
Yeah, it's really <laughs> terrible for them. <laughs> Although watching it sometimes I get frustrated too. So. <laughs> it's all banging their heads together. There's exactly. <laughs> That's not the way we do it. <laughs> we'll put a cross through that one. So I just want to go back a little bit. So you're talking about packaging the messaging and I do want to dive into that, but I just want to go take a couple of steps back because you talked about values and beliefs and the way we see things in our model of the world. Mm. How much work as influencers do you think, and I'm on, on two different sides of the fence here. Okay. So this is what you, your belief, I guess. How much work do we need to do around that for us to create a greater influence? That's a really good question. And the answer is if you want to be you know, a strong influence, the answer would have to be a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things we have to be really aware of is that values appear in people's worlds very, very differently. Mm-hmm. So we, you and I can have exactly the same value, but if we looked at our behaviours, it would be incredibly different. Mm. Being able to hear what people say that would give you some clue mm-hmm. as well as asking questions like, for what reason is that important to you? Mm. Where does it come from? And hearing their answers to that really gives us an understanding. But again, to be able to flex and bend and shape the communication to them, you have to be able to hear you first mm-hmm. in regards mm-hmm. to what your values and beliefs. And and one of the things that I've had to had <laughs> to become very aware of is that feeling of when people are bumping into your values mm-hmm. and that feeling of, you know, for me, it's a tightness in the throat and a tightness in the chest. That's my mm-hmm. physiological response to it. And But I see that now as a tap on the shoulder and going, hey, what you're experiencing is different values. And that allows me to do two things. One, to change the course, to be able to do something differently, but at the same time, very quickly say to myself, going, hang on, that's a values thing. All you're feeling now is judging their values. Mm, interesting. The feeling that I'm getting is somewhere deep in the back of my head that's going, my values are more important to yours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, incredibly not. Now, have I had conversations in coaching around the world about things that their behaviours are so far outside my value set that I can't see my values anymore if I go to them? Absolutely. Mm. But once again, it's their values. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think understanding that and respecting that is a really important thing for us. And when I'm trying to influence, mainly from a coaching point of view, is... I really try to chunk up to those values because it's also easy to influence once you understand why it's important and be able to shift people. Because if we can shift and influence and guide people within their values, they're going to stay on board. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run for the hills. And that can be a challenge. And I've just recently worked with, for the first time in a long time, I did some youth leadership stuff here in WA. Yeah, I'm not very good at that anymore. Um, And it was just really interesting because they probably have the same values as me, but the way a 16-year-old takes on the world and fulfills those values of connection, for example, is really different to mine. And, for example, one of the the groups that I work with, my volunteer stuff is working with at-risk teenage boys, and it's really one of the values is connections, for example. I'm guessing. You know, you don't have that sort of conversation with 16-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why do I know that? Because they're constantly trying to connect with me, be close to me, tackle me, be next to me. Mm -hmm. And the way they're doing it is 
you know, suddenly I've got five 15-year-olds tackling me to the ground and, you know, wrestling me. Now, it's like, what's going on? I'm too old for this. But that's the way they're either saying, hey, that's how I'm connecting, or they're putting their hand up and saying, hey, look at me. Mm -hmm. And I can quite easily get frustrated and annoyed at that. But I need to take it on from a 15-year-old behavior, not a 52-year-old type Mm -hmm. behavior. And again, that takes a lot of flexing. Yeah. Because it can be also really annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I think. Totally. So it's it's a really again, it's about coming back and taking a deep breath, going, okay, well, for what reason are they doing that? For what reason are they saying that? Yeah. Rather than you're wrong and you're annoying. Yeah, yeah. I love that so much. For uh as influencers, and we are influencers, I think we need to get rid of the the idea mm. that influencer only has one way of seeing it, I guess. Mm. The, you talked about being able to or doing that work so that we're able to influence larger groups. I'd love you to talk about the challenge that people have with themselves. You talked about like, you know, them doing the work mm. when all of a sudden we are in a space where we're influencing larger groups. And I'm talking about this from the standpoint of how much the self-sabotage that can come in when all of a sudden we are propelled onto a bigger stage. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, my goodness gracious, yeah. It's a terrifying thing sometimes, isn't it? It is absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I I don't know about you, but I still have it. You know, you'll say something that's controversial, and I believe that to influence people we do need to be controversial sometimes. Mm -hmm. We need to create that standpoint doesn't make it any easier. And in fact, like, you know, even Brené Brown talked about it when she had her first TED Talk. She said, you know, she had a vulnerability hangover for over a week where she couldn't get out of bed. And she was like, oh, my God, what is this? Mm. And and I think that this is really an important conversation because as influencers, we are 100% always, every single one of us is going to come up against this. So I'd love you to talk to that and what we can do as influencers to prepare ourselves or to at least carry ourselves through that journey so that we're not self, (laughs) you know, sabotaging and pulling back. It's a really interesting point because if we're going to do the work that we want to do and really get change in the world and doing the positive things that we want to do, you have to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And one of my other mentors I remember saying when I first started this is if you're not annoying people, you're probably not doing your job. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, for years I was like, oh, really? And I think one of the first thing, if we're coaches, if we're facilitators, if we're professional speakers, whatever the term you want to use, the first thing if we want to push the edge and get people to think differently outside their box is you have to build that rapport. Mm-hmm. And people have to see that the reason you're pointing, you're poking and you're pushing their beliefs and their ideas is for a good intent, not mm-hmm. because you're annoying. Mm-hmm. And a lot of trainers I've seen do that. And you may have noticed I've just shifted my terminology there from facilitators to trainers because trainers go, all right, nine o'clock, must say this, must get this. And they they push through. Facilitators, it's whatever the group needs. Yes. So those trainers, they push through rather than building up that time of going, hey, I'm here for a good intent. This is the reason we're doing it. And being curious about where these people are coming from rather than saying, actually, no, that's wrong and I'm right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you're going to get the conflict. I think that's a really important one. The second part that I always go to is what intent, what outcome am I looking for? And so, therefore, I do quite a bit of safety leadership 
type stuff from a behavioral point of view. Mm-hmm. So you know, conversations influence things like And a lot of people say you have to fill in this form before you start work because that's what we say. Mm-hmm. No wonder people are annoyed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I say, well, for what reason do we fill out this? Then we start talking about unconscious competence, for example, and people who have been working on mining sites for 15, 20 years doing the same job is they just go in and go, click, electrician must do work. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But these this paperwork and this checklist that we get you to do takes you out of that for uh, several minutes and to allow you to look at your work from a fresh pair of eyes. And so talking about that way suddenly elevates people's ability to take it on because they see the reason, they see the intent. And the intent from a let's stay safe point of view is global. Mm-hmm. I want to go home to my family. Of course. Rather than go, here is a form. It must be checked off before you start work. Thank you. And you walk away. Mm-hmm. And that's the same as us as facilitators. You've got an idea, you've got a concept where you want to shift people, go to the intent of it. So it's, for example, it's not about presenting skills. It's about getting your message strongly to the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that really shifts the conversation. And it also, the reason I'm smiling now is because once you go there as a trainer, facilitator, coach, your resources go that you can grab hold of. If it's about speaking skills, there's my resources. If I talk about influencing, impacting people, opens up into this massive amounts. So the resources you can access is a lot better. And once again, wrapped up in why are we doing this? It's always for the positive intent, worthwhile intent. It's helping you. It's helping the business. It's helping the team. Yeah, yeah. It's really, I think, getting out of that, this is all about me, which is that that idea of the trainer mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm here and I've got to deliver this message to then being from a, coming from a place of service of what do I need for these other people? And I think that that's really important because to make that switch is what is going to take you to the next, mm. not just the next level, but the next level, the next level, the next level as a facilitator. One of the greatest things that I've, I don't know if I fell into this or got taught it or someone told me is you know, as a facilitator, it's not about me. It's never about me. Mm. I tell people that do some speaker training or facilitator training type work with is, you know, as a facilitator who does this professionally and I'm, you know, to, I'm averaging about 60 hours of delivery a week at the moment. And the reason I can do that and the reason I still love it is if I could possibly just turn up and say nothing and get the results I'm looking for, I'm exactly where I need to be. Mm. Oh, my goodness. How cool is that? But that's a real hard ego thing because I go way back to when I first started facilitating and maybe 19, 20, 21, professionally facilitating or training it was all about me. Mm, it was mm-hmm. all about getting laughs. It was all about pushing through this list of things I had to get done in a couple of hours. It was all about the laughter and you know all that sort of stuff, which is all about me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as I've got older and just kept doing this and and doing workshops, et cetera, that are, turn out really well and go really badly, learning from that, I've got to a point where I can turn up and go, it's not about me. Mm. It's about the outcome. And that allows me to step out. And so therefore, if another person in the room wants to take control of the conversation, and now my job is to keep it on track, 
then so be it. So be it because we are there for an outcome, not whether I say a lot of words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I found one that allows me to walk away from workshops with a lot more energy. And number two, it allows the group to feel empowered that they've taken the journey by themselves rather than this person at the front going, you must do this now. Quick over there, mm, look at this, mm-hmm. breathe this type thing. That's a great outcome for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just get so excited when I see the group at the end of the day go, man, I really need to do that. Let's go off and do this. And and knowing that I just pressed a button and pointed them in a direction and then they yeah. ran with it themselves and they did the arguments and managed the conflict and and things like that. And I think my role is there to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can get a bit wieldy sometimes. But apart from that, knock yourself out. As long as we get to where we need to get, I don't care who drives that. Yeah, love that so much. Now, I want to talk about the preparation to be able to go in and do that mm-hmm. because you're not just walking in there and going, cool, guys, just I'm <laughs> going to stand here and do nothing and go for that. So what's the preparation that we need to do? I know that you talk about a lot of tools mm-hmm. and I'd love to know, does you know, does that work into the preparation? Yeah. I think the first preparation to be able to feel comfortable with the things we're talking about is just do it for thousands of hours. Mm-hmm. So that's the start off. Yeah, there's no shortcut, right? Oh, there it really isn't. People go, I oh, had to become a good presenter. Go do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's not another workshop. Like I'm all for training. Yeah. I do a lot of training. But at the same time, take that training and just get out and do it. Oh, you can't become a better speaker unless you speak. Yeah. And do it over and over and over and over again. Do it well, do it really poorly. And it is going to be done poorly at some stage, but celebrate that. That means you- it happens. Oh boy, oh boy! Because yet, if you're pushing the edge, it's going to go badly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Learn from it, move on, reduce the, the badly happening. Mm-hmm. Also, the preparation stuff is we talked about understanding yourself, also holding on to the intent of the workshop, the conversation, the speech, but also I think about that respect of people in the room. And there's a number of tools, and and this the tools I'm going to mention is on necessarily deep diving into them and understanding in them and you know whether they're valid and all that stuff it, these tools give me a framework to work with and my favorite is disc extended disc is what i use mm-hmm. and the reason i use that from a, a speaking point of view is it's got the two continuums task orientation people orientation introverted details big pictured extrovert now if i simply take that i don't need to go any more detail mm-hmm. if i then go into a presentation and whether it's a keynote through to one-on-one and everything in between, I'm going to run those two ends of those continuums all day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come up with some task orientation research shows. Look at this graph. Look at these numbers. Show us this. And then I run to people. Now, when we look at these numbers, here's what that means to people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to run to the details, introvert, detail, detail, or, hey, turn to the person next to you and have a conversation about this before we have a conversation in the big group because I get better responses. Mm-hmm. And the extroverts, it's about managing them, shutting them up. And <laughs> but also Stop passing the Tim Tams around and just focus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, no, it's not the, it's, it's the asking if you want the Tim Tams that annoys me. <laughs> we just sit down, sit down. Now, most people around the world are going, the hell's a Tim Tam? If you don't know, go find out. I was going to say, go look it up. <laughs> the greatest export out of Australia to date. 
and it's not Hugh Jackman, it's Tim Tams. And yeah. do you know how many varieties are now? I sent a gift to a group that worked really hard, lot for profit group the other day, a packet of every variety of Tim Pam. Oh, no way. Yeah, they turned up to work and there was a stack. I think there was like 12 of them now. Really? Yeah, and I put in a bow. I can't believe that that story just came in with that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that surprise stuff with people as well. So, yeah, I run that continual mm-hmm. all the time. And it the reason I do that is, one, because I know at some stage I'm going to directly hit someone's preference. Mm-hmm. And HBDI, MBTI, uh, print, uh, human design, all, all those provide us a framework to go in, get out of our default setting, and then, you know, have a framework to run to extremes of the room. And and I've, again, I've had to do that because I work with a lot of geologists and a lot of engineers. And I worked with a very special group of people. I mean, special because it, it was a pretty secretive job they do, but they were computer experts. Mm-hmm. They were nerds. They were Dr. Sheldon Cooper, mm-hmm. 12 of them. And you can't get any further away from my default settings than that. <laughs> and I swear to God, yeah. And even with all the experience that I've had, I remember looking at them just going, oh, this is going to be bad feedback. Nope. Absolutely not. Completely opposite. I'm going, where did that come from? Wow. I just didn't get the response that I need as my default setting. You know, very quiet, very mm-hmm. converted, you know, very technical, very detailed. So no feedback as a big group. Turn them into small groups. You can't shut them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's bit feeling comfortable and letting go of that control to allow those things to happen mm-hmm. and also to speak a language that is not natural to you. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at my you know, my preferences, I'm quite introverted and a lot of speakers are. And But when I'm speaking, it has to be more extroverted mm-hmm. because that's what I believe is the right thing to do. That's how I can drive the energy in the room. But there's going to be times when I'll drop my voice right down really quietly and I'll sit down and I won't move around and I'll look people in the eye and I'll just speak like this. Mm-hmm. Then that connects with non-extroverts, whereas that is on the continuum type thing. So in regards to my preparation, I'm constantly looking intent. I'm constantly looking at running to either those corners of whatever preference that you want, that you use. Today I'm working with senior leaders and I have to call them out on some really – I'm choosing my words carefully here. Uh, Let's go with average behaviours. Uh-huh. You know, average business behaviors that are, are putting them at risk yep. and the business at risk, they're not going to like this. Mm-hmm. So I'm preparing myself to get beat up. Mm. All right. Because the room's going to turn on me at some stage because they're going to form a gang and come after me. And one of the things I probably didn't mention before that's important is if they do get angry at you in a workshop like that, they're not angry at you. Mm-hmm. They're not angry at Ian Crawford. They're angry at what you're saying and what buttons you've pushed. Mm-hmm. And I think that keeps me non defensive. Because it isn't about me. It's about the conversations we're having. And that that is a easy to say, but that's a big difference in, in your mind. And because in any of my workshops, if I start to get angry, frustrated, that's me. Yeah. I've taken it personally for some reason. And I work in the area of leadership and communication and influence. How could I possibly do that? Yeah. You know, people work in you know, child abuse and all that sort of stuff. My goodness, that you know, that's full on. Yep. And and I think the response to that could be slightly different, but 
I don't. And so therefore I'm constantly saying, hang on, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about them. Yeah, totally. And again, to do that, suddenly resources jump up to allow me to respond to that as well. Yeah, yeah. I love that you talked about those tools because I hear often there, you know, there are people out there that say, I don't like those tools because it puts people in a box. And I actually do understand what they're saying from their perspective of mm. we don't want to put people in a box. But if we can flip that and understand that all it's doing is helping us understand that there are different way, different learning styles, different ways that people see the world, when we can understand that, it makes it so much easier. You know, when I had my first business and we were running a team of 35, DISC was one of my saviours. Because until then, I, as we can all tell just from the way we're speaking, I'm in a work situation, I'm an extremely high D, just about off the charts no, D. No. <laughs> really? When people see that number, they're just yeah. like, whoa, I wouldn't want to work yeah, with you. Because well. when I go in there, it's like we're doing this. And as we know for people like that, I had, there was, you know, I can picture this person. She was a lovely girl, but she was a really high C. And we butted heads because I didn't understand. And it wasn't until my coach at the time took us through DISC and helped, and we did the DISC profiles with all of my team that all of a sudden I understand, oh, that's why we're butting heads. This is what she needs from me. And until then, I didn't understand that. Mm. In my head, I was just like, why does she not do anything I tell her? So I love that you've mentioned the tools because it makes it easier for us to understand how other people see the world. And I would not step into it, go anywhere close to it if it was a box thing. Yeah. Because, you know, know, you're a D, but you can go to any – Oh. you can be a C, you can be an I. Totally. Anytime you want. And that's the expertise of it. You can't do that until you realise you're a D and how that clashes with it. Yeah. And I just love doing that because I just go – you know, I sit around boardroom tables and you, know, you get these predominantly men I work with is they look across the table and go, oh, that's why you're such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you annoy the crap out of me. Yeah. Is, it takes it from that personal level, clunk down to it, injure your high C, and then suddenly it provides an opportunity going, you know what, if we get these D and Cs to work together, we can do incredible stuff. 100% because every person that's a high D needs someone there cleaning <laughs> up their mess behind them that's a high C. <laughs> yeah. you know what the worst thing is, Sam? If you're a high D, let me introduce you to some of the people I work with. <laughs> <laughs> I can it imagine. doesn't even come close. You don't come across as a high D. There is definitely D in there. Until you put me in a boardroom. Oh. And <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Uh, I come out uh, of sessions crying. I'm going, hang on. I'm supposed to make them cry, not me cry. <laughs> but the idea is that that understanding it, and you mentioned yeah. human design as well, and, and we use human design a lot. You know, I do know the disc profiles of my team. Just this morning in two hours, I'm going to be taking them through their human design profiles, which is something I've never done with my team before because it helps oh, okay. all of us to help each other understand, and I love that. Oh, We've talked about so much. We could talk about so much more. Oh, what the hell? Let me just cancel my workshop today and we'll continue. (laughs) I'm nerding out. I'm loving this conversation. Is it wine time yet? Oh, my goodness. 
Seeing we both did a very, very late finish last night and we both had a 6 a.m. start, <laughs> I don't think that's probably the best thing yeah, to do. Espresso time, how's that? I think that's definitely where we're at. I'd love you to sort of tie this up or wrap this up. Like if we were talking to coaches and consultants and we're really, we've dived deep into influence, what is the, I guess, what do you want people to walk away from this episode today? Really thinking about and really reflecting on to be able to take their influence to the next level? Yeah, it's a really great question again. And, and I'll say it, this is our wrap up disc as well, because when you teach disc or any type of those tools of people, it's a big wave of new information. And I say to them, here's what you need to do. I want you to become a world-class expert at looking at the person that you're dealing with and noticing if the message doesn't land. Mm. And as soon as it's not land, landing, I want you to go back and go, how am I delivering? How can I deliver it differently? And then start using the frameworks that we've talked about. I think that's really important because if we go in and go, oh, this person is D, I need to be, and start yeah. structuring really strongly to start off with, it gets so confusing and I'm looking at the wrong things. Here's your trigger point. Become a world-class expert at identifying when the message doesn't land. Oh, so good. So good. And when it doesn't land, then flex. Message doesn't change, remember? Flex the delivery style. And the example I always use that's opposite to that is tourists overseas. And I saw this when I was in Italy. I saw a particular nationality, English-speaking nationality, walk up to a local and said, can you tell me where the bathroom is? And the locals obviously turned around and gone, in there, that's Italian if you missed it. (laughs) Um, And the response was then, can you tell me where the toilets are? And I went, yeah, I'm not sure you're getting that. And the people do that all the time. Mm. If their communication style, the way they deliver doesn't work, they just crank the little Ds, for example, will, will crank up the assertiveness behind it or Ss will go, you know, whatever it is, but they'll just mm. crank up the way they deliver it and push it stronger. It ain't going to work. Stepping back and go, well, that didn't land. Let me try this. Yeah. And I tell people, yeah, so if I'm, I'm approaching you to talk, I'm going like that. Oop, that didn't work. Step back, change an inch, try again. Change an inch, try again. Because communication is about the result that you get, not how you deliver it. Yes. And yes. I think that's a mistake that we do in a lot of communication programs. We talk about the process. That's important, but communication is the result that I get. If I don't get the result that I'm wanting, then I didn't communicate it well. Let's look at a different way of communicating to get that result. Mm. As you're talking about this, I'm thinking back to a workshop that I delivered and it would have been back in, I'm thinking probably about 2011. You are 15 then? Yeah, I was. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about influence and manipulation. Yeah, I was, well played. Well played. I was going to say that. Well played. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was delivering a workshop to my private clients and I it was a 90-minute, you know, we deliver in 90-minute blocks and I delivered it and I was just getting these really blank faces Mm. and over the lunch break and you were talking earlier about learning as well like what is the learning so we went into the lunch break and i remember shutting the door because i was just like i can't speak to anyone because i don't know what just happened and i need to decompress and and figure out what was going on and there was someone else in the room and i'm like 
that just did not feel like it landed. I felt like it was really flat. We don't want to be going to a lunch break flat. What happened? Mm. We sort of started to unpack it. And I went, look, I don't know what happened, but I don't think they got the concept. So we came back from lunch and rather than go into the next piece, I just went, look, guys, I feel like we left and, you know, that session didn't land. And I went, tell me, like, what are your questions? You know, what were you feeling? Now, at at that point, that was actually really hard for me because I was very new into facilitation in that space and I wasn't quite sure. It was easier to like sort of put it under the rug and just move on. Okay, we're going to page 15 in the workbook and we're moving on. And you know what happened? Everyone just, it was like this weight lifted off everyone's shoulders because obviously they'd gone to lunch also thinking, oh my God, we didn't get what we're saying. We're feeling really stupid. Right. So this was a really interesting. So by me seeing what happened, I came back after lunch and went, I feel like it didn't land. How can we fix this? And I kid you not, in about six minutes, that whole 90 minutes was put back together. And everyone, I went, thank you for, you know, for retouching on that. And I wanted to tell that story because for everything you just said, we have to pay attention to what's happening. We need to not have our egos in the way to say, okay, well, we didn't deliver what they needed for what our audience needed. Mm. You know, what's the learning and how can we get around to make sure that everyone gets what they need? And it's, you know, it was a while ago, back when I was 15. (laughs) But (laughs) it's something that I think about all the time. I'm always looking like, what is that feedback that I'm getting? Which, by the way, I find a lot harder on Zoom. Yeah, because people also don't turn their cameras on. (laughs) yeah i think also underlining once again is you being really honorable and committed to the intent of the workshop of doing the right thing getting the best out of the people getting the best return on investment helping them move to the next stage whatever it was is when we are committed to that those conversations become easier not easy but easier yeah rather than caught up in must deliver this content by lunchtime and then move on yeah 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 yeah, the number of workshops I go to, and mainly private clients, is that you, know, you walk in and you've, you've structured how the day's gone and it just goes out the window in the first 30 seconds. And then you have to draw on all these brand new things to be able to get them to the place. Now, that comes with experience and knowledge and things like that, but you have to be okay with that. Yeah, totally, totally. So much gold dropped in today's episode. For people that want to stay connected with you, where can they find you? And also, I believe you've got a free resource. I have. Two things there. Uh, go check me out my website at the moment, uh, www.icrawford.com. My Facebook page just got hacked at the beginning of the year. Oh, so God, not you too. So come and find me on Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff, but it's a bit lacking at the moment. But just for your listeners, if they'd like to go, and I'll, I'll let you just put up the link if that's okay the link will be in the show notes definitely that's okay i've got my book that i wrote many years ago with a stack of other people that went to amazon bestseller congratulations <laughs> yay and <laughs> the what i'll give to you is and that link that i'll give you is the audio part of my the book that i put in and a workbook to assist you and it goes along a lot of stuff that we talked about today but if I get it from your people, I'll also send them a PDF of the whole book. Oh, awesome. Same. So we'll pop the links for all of the all of Ian's socials and the link for the book and the audio and the workbook all in the show notes at influencedbydesignpodcast.com. Ian, it's been such a pleasure. I'm so glad that I feel like 
the four-year wait was worth it. I feel like this was a fabulous conversation. (laughs) Thanks for nerding out with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Sam. Really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.